0: It's the Pistons Pod, presented by Uptime Energy Drink. Now here's your host, Matt Derry. All right, here we go, everybody. Another edition of the Pistons Pod. Here we go as we will talk some Detroit Pistons basketball with you right here at Pistons.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Indeed, brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest is one of the best in the business when it comes to NBA play-by-play, the voice of the Nets. The voice, one of the voices of the NBA on TNT, called a bunch of playoff games this year and games throughout the season nationally. Ian Eagle is our guest. We'll talk to Ian about the direction of the Pistons and also the draft. Ian sees a lot of college players with his duties as a play-by-play man for college basketball on CBS and March Madness. We're going to talk to the bird coming up momentarily here on the show. We appreciate you listening. Big news of the week is that the Pistons are going international. That is correct. NBA announced Tuesday Pistons and Bulls are going to play a game next year in Paris. Very, very exciting stuff for the Pistons to uh, head overseas to play a game in Paris in January. It'll be the first international game uh, since 2019 when the Pistons played the Mavs, if you remember. In Mexico City, Pistons uh, played in London as well back in 2013. In a press release uh, earlier this week, Troy Waver, Pistons general manager, said, quote, the Pistons organization is excited to take on the Chicago Bulls and play our first ever game in France. Playing a regular season game in Paris will be a great experience for our players and coaches, and we look forward to showcasing Detroit basketball to an international audience. Very, very exciting stuff, and uh, fans can register for tickets online at nbaevents.nba.com slash Paris NBA Paris, but uh, exciting that the uh, Pistons will head overseas um, in January at Accor Arena in Paris, of course, Killian Hayes. Uh, heading back to France, so that'll be kind of cool. But uh, Pistons getting a little bit of national love, and we'll play a game overseas this year. That is very, very cool. Again, we are weeks away, just a few weeks away from the NBA draft as well, and we'll continue uh, leading up to the draft uh, to have more coverage here as far as a draft prognosticators and some experts, and we'll do that in the coming weeks right here on the podcast. But now, my conversation with Ian Eagle. Let's bring him in right now. One of the voices of the NBA on TNT, also the longtime voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Always great to visit with Ian Eagle here on the Pistons Pod, Mr. Eagle. What's going on, bud?
1: Hey, what's up, Diesel? You're getting summer iron. This is a relaxed, mellow version.
0: Really, really. Well, you've 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 been on the go for like months. You're finally getting some time off.
1: Yeah, I I will actually read a book, non-sports related. I'll drink i'll have beers multiple beers cocktails. <laughs> it's like a whole new life i'll sit by the pool wow. i can't wait
0: oh man what's going on in the garden state anything good
1: i'd <laughs> <laughs> love to have you stop by come by the garden state anytime you're very familiar with the garden state this is not foreign to you i know
0: it's not do they still do just uh, full service gas there is that still a thing
1: uh, that's full service, yeah. You do not touch the pump.
0: Still, after all these years?
1: Still, after all these years.
0: Wow. Wow. And I'm
1: a New York guy originally. I'm from Queens, right, Forest right. Hills, Mean Streets, Forest Hills. And I knew nothing of this. I knew nothing of somebody doing this for you. I I was brought up with the idea you do it yourself. You get to Syracuse, you do it yourself. Right. It's four degrees below zero, you're still pumping your own gas. Jersey, completely different philosophy. So now after all these years, I've been here man, 26 years I've lived in this state and this is all I know now.
0: How about that? That's crazy. I don't even want to talk Pistons or basketball. We can just talk about gas and uh, uh, we you want to do gas prices? We could talk <laughs> oh, about... Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I'm sure that's... I'm A sure. Big ratings crowd. Yes. <laughs> So, all right, relaxed summer iron is uh, with us here. You had a chance uh, on a couple of occasions, including here in Detroit early in the season, to see the Pistons. Here, here's an off season that's, you know, people are getting excited. Obviously, they got number five in the lottery, Troy Weaver entering year three. But what are your impressions of how this sort of restoration is going in Detroit?
1: Well, as you look at things around the NBA, the teams that have developed something over time are the teams that drafted well Uh, smart and free agency, and planted seeds where you could see the beginnings of something. And I think if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, you at least walk away from this season feeling like, okay, I'm starting to see this beginning to form. And if this young group can develop chemistry and if the roles can become defined, obviously a lot has to do with the development of Cade Cunningham as a lead guard. And if Sadiq Bey's evolution continues to grow, decisions have to be made in regards to who stays, who goes. And the bottom line is you can't whiff on the draft. You can't in the NBA. Uh, You You screw up a top five, top seven pick in this league. It reverberates for years. So that's going to be where this team will be judged, and the proof will be in the pudding. I don't know, ultimately, if Dwayne Casey's doing this for another five years, if they're grooming somebody else to eventually take over this operation as the head coach. I know he has an excellent relationship with management, with ownership, and he's very well respected, but this has to be part of your overall big-picture plan of how you see this team developing over time. The Boston Celtics... Great example of that. They've got two studs, as we know, in Tatum and Brown, and then they've been able to to fill in the gaps. Marcus Smart has been part of the bedrock of what they're doing. Horford comes back for a second tour for, for the Celtics, and then just the right pieces around them. Robert Williams developed. They worked with him, and... Some sneaky draft picks that have worked in their favor. Peyton Pritchard, a guy that anybody could have had in the first round. They believed in him. The acquisition of Derek White. You just look at now how the team is made up and all the pieces fit together. That's a tough place to get to in the NBA. I know that. But if you're a Pistons fan, that's what you're hoping for. That jigsaw puzzle begins to take form.
0: And you look at what Troy Weaver has done over the last couple of years as general manager. He's he's reshaped the roster like twice already, yep. and you know, including letting a guy like Blake Griffin walk, and then he shows up certainly with, with, with the Nets. So you got to see him a lot. But it's going to take a lot of tweaking. But it might take some time. And I know in today's day and age, Ian, with with, with social media and everything else, fans you know run out of patience very quickly. How how, how dele- delicate of a balance is that for for a pretty young GM?
1: Yeah, it's hard. And you're also running a business as well. So it's not as simple as just, hey, wait, wait it out. We're asking you to stay patient. You're also asking people to buy tickets and to buy concessions and to support the team and to buy jerseys and sweatshirts and paraphernalia. So it's not a simple fix. The teams that have been stuck in the mud, there's been a reason behind it. Sacramento comes to mind, uh, the playoff drought continues, and obviously they're looking to change things up, and they believe now that they've got some young pieces, they made a deal, a big deal, that was shocking within the the NBA circles to to give up on a promising young player, but they thought they needed some more stability and needed uh somebody up front in Sabonis that that could be part of the solution. I get it. These are, these are very difficult choices that you make. And when you're in a market where you're not necessarily attracting the biggest free agents every time around, you've got to get creative and you've got to take some risks and you've got to take some chances. So I understand uh, from the Detroit perspective, it's been such a, such a successful market for so long and to see now what the team has become and where it's gone it's hard to remember back to those days anymore and uh, nobody gives you a whole lot of credit for what you did 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago i did uh, an interview the other day in uh the New York area about the Nets and their run in the early 2000s and how the run really came to an end in that seven game loss to yep. the Detroit Pistons yep. and as we know that was a championship team uh, and I look back on that squad the Nets had beaten them the year before if you remember in the yep. playoffs yeah. they swept them, and they had all of the right ingredients at that point they made the coaching change as we know going from Carlisle to Larry Brown and then everything came together. And when you do it, it just feels like, oh, yeah, this was meant to be. But it doesn't happen with a finger snap. It, it really does require uh, so much forward thinking. And, and the hope is that uh, the Pistons finally have some pieces to build around.
0: Bring up great memories: Pistons, Nets, uh, Lucius Harris, Carrie yep. Kittles. Yep. Where are the Where are those guys these days? It's kind of cool to to reminisce and think about that. Tayshaun Prince, by the way, the, the block of Reggie Miller, I believe it was eighteen years ago the other day. I mean, eighteen crazy. years ago—that is crazy.
1: Yeah, that that's crazy. And yeah, it's also you know for you on a personal level, I know that was right in the throes of of all the stuff you were doing in the market and how that team was driving conversation. Oh yeah. It was it was amazing. It was amazing to see how it galvanized the city. And it's funny because I think back now, and people really didn't give them much of a chance against the Lakers. And revisionist history is like, oh no 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 no, the Lakers were ripe for the taking. But no, going into that series, everybody still thought the Lakers are going to find a way to win. And maybe Detroit's not quite ready for this stage. They win it. And looking back now, you say, oh, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. That team was so harmonious. It fit together. Rashid was the missing piece. All of that. But to me, that's what makes sports fun is you can change someone's opinion and change their mind and then change history in the process. And that's what that Piston squad did.
0: Iron Eagle with us. One of the best voices in the NBA on TNT, of course, is the Brooklyn Nets, also college basketball on and- CBS, um, you mentioned Cade before, and you got a chance to see him up close. What did you like the most about Cade Cunningham? And and obviously, still room to grow, but boy, he really came on strong in the second half, didn't he?
1: He did. And what really struck me about him, and you look for this because you just never know how they're going to handle it. Certainly, when you're the number one overall pick, all eyes are on you. He's very poised, very composed. Look, the, the measurables, the size, the length, he's got a seven-foot wingspan, he handles the ball so well, uh, his ability to knock down shots when he gets it rolling. And I see him as a shot creator, as a playmaker. But what stood out to me was uh, how, how mature he came across in many situations. And when you're losing more than you've ever lost in your career – you you were you're going to get noticed if if you go awry if you go off the rails he showed emotion don't get me wrong and there were moments where we saw that from cade and his pride certainly came through he didn't get accustomed to the losing by any stretch but the league watches they they keep an eye on on who you uh, who you are as a person and how you handle adversity. And I thought he handled adversity very well.
0: It just seems like, like you said, too, his poise rubs off on some of the other guys. And I think Troy Weaver wants to put a roster together of, as he says, guys that are that are, that are are pistons, that, that work hard and kind of go, you know, the throwback days of the bad boys and, of course, the going-to-work team. Um, and that's the kind of player that Troy Weaver wants. So I think the, the Cade fit was a perfect one.
1: Yeah, and and I know it gets overused, Matt, but it it is real. When you're around organizations, if you're doing stuff on the local level, if you parachute in like I do on the national level, you can tell which teams have the right culture, and it does permeate. It permeates through the locker room. It permeates through the practice facility. It permeates through the, the organization's offices. There is something about that and you can't control every aspect. And don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I'm privy to some things, but I, I'm not exposed to all of it. I, I also see what they want me to see, but PR directors and coaches, you get a feel when you are around the Golden State Warriors, you recognize that there's a bar. Of excellence that they're trying to reach and it's not just for Steve Kerr and for the basketball team it's throughout the entire organization and that's when it's sustainable when you get to a point where everybody is fighting for the same thing everybody is working towards the same objective and again hard place to get to but it's got to start somewhere and the hope if if you're in the Detroit area is that you're now starting to see the makings of that. And you've got a, a very proud player in Kate Cunningham that is, is just not going to accept losing and mediocrity that somewhere along the way, if he's got the right pieces around him, uh, this thing is going to turn around and, and they start making headway.
0: Is that culture thing you talk about, uh, does that as kind of, an example, I guess, could be a guy like Marvin Bagley, who was in Sacramento. You mentioned that before, and I want to yep. turn this into a King's Bash session. But seriously, he was, he was there, he didn't play well. Uh, he gets a change of scenery to Detroit, and some may have said nationally, oh my goodness, he's going from Sacramento to Detroit, and yet he played well. And the organization is very interested, obviously, and Troy Weaver has said this about, about bringing him back.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that's a great example. Marvin Bagley didn't select the Kings. The Kings selected him. And how that can affect your NBA career. Look, when you're coming out of college and you apply for the NBA draft, at that point, most of the players say, hey, I'll go anywhere. In fact, I want to go as high as I can possibly go because the salary is slotted in higher. And if it's a team that desperately needs me, it it might mean more playing time. That means I get closer to my big contract uh, because I've shown the rest of the league that that I'm a player to be reckoned with. But there is the other side to that, and that is uh, you end up in an organization that has not figured out what the, the formula is in terms of winning, and you get to be part of the blame. And you get labeled, and I think Backley is is one of those players. You know, it, it's interesting how it works because Sacramento's on the West Coast, and you know, I don't—they're never on national TV, so he's not getting a whole lot of exposure on that front. And eventually, he just becomes part of the narrative, fair or unfair. There are plenty of people in the NBA that form opinions based on what others say, and not from the eye test. So Bagley, the, the word bust was being tossed around unfairly, and he gets to Detroit and you start to see, oh wait, no, he's got ability. There, there's a reason why he was a standout at Duke and why he was highly coveted coming out of the college basketball ranks. And w- when I say culture, it's not as simple as, as what I mentioned earlier. It, it, it is deeper, but that also plays to communication and how situations are handled, and how the front office communicates with its players and with its coaches, and how that works in unison, and what's expected of the players. You know, that's, that's the crazy part. What seems like an obvious for most teams doesn't always happen. The Golden State Warriors have a gentleman by the name of Raymond Ritter, who's their PR director, and he just communicates right away, with the players that get to Golden State, what's expected of you? Hey, look, I'm going to ask you to do this. This is a post-game interview, and there, there's no there's no option of no. He says, I'm not going to hit you over the head with it. I'm not going to force you to do things that are unnecessary. But if we ask you, it means we deem it necessary. It's important within the league. It's important with the media partners. It's important within our community. And that's how it's dealt with. And that's it. there's no question. Just look after any Warrior game. When Kevin Durant was on the squad, he was a frequent post-game interview because that's what was expected. And in other cities, by the way, it doesn't happen that way.
0: Hmm. Ian Eagle with us. We love talking to him from the NBA on TNT. Did a bunch of the uh, national games, uh, certainly this season, and, of course, in the playoffs, also the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Ian, you've done a ton of college games. You've seen a lot of Big Ten players especially with your CBS uh, Saturday and Sunday games, there's, you know, the second tier, really. Everybody talked at at, at the draft lottery, and, heck, ESPN, I mean, they promoted it. It was Chet Holmgren, uh, Jamari Smith, and uh, Paulo Bancaro. And then there's sort of this second tier, people believe, where the Pistons sit at five. Number one, is that how you look at this draft? And number two, what about some of these guys, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, other guys that you've seen, And how do you think they would fit maybe at five in Detroit?
1: Yeah, first on Murray, uh, didn't have Iowa this year. Had him last year a couple of times. Very impressed by him and saw the improvement. Games that I saw on television this year, you could just see the confidence and the responsibility with no Garza there. They just asked him to do a lot more, and he did it. Versatile piece, he's the perfect modern NBA player in that you can't, Label him or put a position on him. Uh, I think he's going to be a successful pro. Uh, look, as we talked about early in our chat, you can't miss. Uh, so you got to be sure that, that this is the guy that fits in to, to what it is you're trying to do. Jaden Ivy, I had in the NCAA tournament. He did not play well in that shocking loss to St. Peters. Uh, there were times where I thought he was going to take over the game. And he didn't. I can't judge it off of one game. That's the only live game that I saw him play as, as a collegiate player. I see what everyone's getting gaga over, the, the Russell Westbrook type of abilities where he can really put pressure on you, both sides of the ball. Pressure as a defender and pressure as an offensive player because he's just quick and strong and athletic and he's got a jump shot. It, it just wasn't working that particular day. But the numbers do show that he's improved in that area. You know, if I'm the Pistons, how does that all fit? Would that fit with Kate Cunningham? That, that's a deeper dive they're going to have to do to, to really understand whether or not that's the backcourt they want to build around down the road. But uh, I think those are the two names that are probably going to pop up quite a bit from where the Pistons are based simply on how you laid it out those three names in some order i've seen them in in a different order depending upon yeah. who's doing the prognostications i've seen Boncero one uh i've seen smith one and obviously we know with holmgren that uh odds are he very well could go number one so it it's right now up in the air completely
0: if you are uh, Piston alums uh, in the front office, at least Jeff Weltman and John Hammond in Orlando, what do you what are you doing at one?
1: Yeah, great question. I I don't see these guys enough to tell you definitively. Oh, you, you gotta pick so and so. Watched uh, Banchero throughout the the NCAA tournament. Impressed. Impressed with his skill set. Uh, Smith, his dad played for the Nets. Jabari Smith. He was a uh, it was a colorful character. Interesting guy, had a lot of fun when he was out there. It was a, a fairly short stint, but memorable for those who cover the team. It seems like his son has a very high skill level and limited that, that I saw him this year, but saw him on television a couple of times and just looked like an NBA player. You, you, you know, the, the eye test doesn't lie when someone stands out at that level. And then the homegrown part, boy, It could either work out perfectly that this guy absolutely transitions to the NBA game and all the things that you think he's capable of are exactly how it happens at this level. But there is that risk factor with him where you're just not quite sure. Will he get pushed around? Will he be able to get to the rim authoritatively and do the stuff that he was doing Collegiately, it's scary what he's got physically. The part that, that you never know, Matt, is the mental part and how badly he wants it and how badly he's going to work. You know, Detroit, as we know, found out the hard way with Darko Milicic. Everything looked like this guy was earmarked for superstardom and you know, unfortunately for Darko, he's going to go down as as one of the biggest busts because of the Hall of Famers that went after him in that draft.
0: Twenty-one minute mark for our first Darko reference, uh, by the way. Sorry, bud. <laughs> oh, could you ever just imagine if the Pistons had somehow gotten number two in the lottery? It would have been just like uh, two thousand four all over again.
1: I I really believe that. <laughs> I mean, there were, how many feature stories do you think would be? Oh. How ESPN would be doing like full-on hot take programs around it uh, before the NBA draft?
0: That's I mean, look, I wanted the Pistons to get the number one picture. They get they had it last year, and you know Troy and everybody said, "Hey, look, we're fine at five. We're going to be fine." But I was just thinking, if it ends up at two, uh, this could get really this could get really yeah. ugly.
1: They're going to get a good player, yeah. Obviously, I know that's a pretty obvious statement. At five, you're supposed to get a good player, but looking at the names that that are out there, and and we just laid out the top five parentally that we think will be there, they're going to get a really good player that should be able to step in and play for them right away. And now it's a matter of finding the right fit. And, and the Ivy one is really interesting to me because uh, you've got to be able to visualize these two guys doing it together, that their games will mesh well. I, you know, I don't know with Ivy, I think, there have been some that, that have speculated that at the NBA level he's just a lead guard and you let him handle the ball and let him uh, get the offense rolling. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure uh, of that definitively to say, yep, that's how it's going to be. He's Russell Westbrook reincarnated. So if the Pistons see it as, no, he can compliment Cade or they can mix and match and really throw the defense off. I I don't know if that's worked that well in the NBA. I still believe there is something to defined roles and, and understanding what's expected of you individually.
0: Hey, if they draft uh, Shade and Sharp, it can be Cade and Shade. we got to get to it.
1: A... <laughs> they're going to just do it for the nicknames. For the that's t-shirts. The, their, it's yeah, t-shirts. They, they just want, right, they want all whatever they can do on <laughs> word play. That's what they're going to base the draft on.
0: I could, I could see you using that in a game.
1: Oh, please, don't don't keep saying it. I, I would like to pack that one away for a later date.
0: <laughs> Final thing for Ian Eagle, we're brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink here on the Pistons Pod. Rebuilding or restoring, that's what we say here, restoration is what Troy Weaver and the Pistons love, love to utilize in, in terms of the verbiage. But here in 2022, heading into 2022-2023 season, what about re- rebuilding now in the East where Ian finally the east is really really good does that make it more difficult
1: it does this is cyclical we know how many years went by where it just felt like the western conference was so far superior and you can't say that anymore there's depth in the eastern conference there are teams that were not necessarily a part of the postseason party that have a chance to to be a factor we know Charlotte's got to make a decision on their head coach, but there's certainly a lot of young talent there and talent that, that could develop. Atlanta is still in my mind, a team that you have to consider moving forward could be a factor, even though they were, were not where they thought they were going to be in the development phase after getting to the Eastern Conference finals last year. And I'm just talking about the others, you know, that doesn't even take into account the teams that we expect to be a part of it. So, yeah, this is not going to be easy for for Detroit to to make up that kind of ground in the east, but I think you can't get caught up in that. You have to just do what you think is right for your team and what makes sense for the plan that you have in place. If you get caught up in, hey, we got to do this to try to match you up with them, it, it it's counterproductive. Do the moves that you believe are going to get you to that point where you can be competitive once again. And and don't think of it uh, as us against them, specifically the teams in the lower part of, of the Eastern Conference. Just worry about you.
0: Always enjoy the conversation, my friend. Thanks for uh, stopping by.
1: All right, Diesel. I uh, I got a mojito ready for you to go. <laughs> Come to the garden. Stand. Wow, this is,
0: uh, this, is, uh, this is this is this is this is our this is an R-rated podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Bud. There he is, Iron Eagle, with us. NBA on TNT, the Nets, and of course, the college basketball and CBS. Joining us on the Pistons Pod. We're brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. Next week, we talk more draft as we get closer to draft night. Right here at Pistons.com.